Welcome to Because We Love You. Today is a really important episode to us. We are talking about depression, and chances are you or someone you know has experienced a depressive episode at some point in your life. 21 million people, according to the NIH, have experienced depression in the past year, so it affects a lot of people. We do want to say up front that if you are experiencing symptoms of depression, um, the most important thing to get across today is that there is hope. And so today we're going to talk about some actions that you can take to help you feel better. But if you are in need of immediate support due to depression or thoughts of suicide, that you can call 988, the National Suicide Lifeline, at any time. And we encourage you to do that. Yes, depression is particularly close to my heart because, um, you know, we shared uh, last year sometime when we talked about anxiety and, yeah. and your struggles, Stacey, with anxiety. But certainly this feels more like something that and it is something that I have had to go through, not just with myself, but mm-hmm. with my with my mom and with yeah. people that are close to me. And so I definitely feel like, you know, this is the opposite. So certainly depression and anxiety can kind of come together, yes. but this is the downness, the lack of motivation. Yeah. And so uh, as we talk about these things, um, you can sit here and you can see two people struggling with two different things. Mm-hmm. So right. this is the opposite. And, uh, and I'm really excited to, to talk about how, ways that people can get through these low moments. Yeah. And this is just really important to us, like Jade said, because of the things we've experienced and our loved ones. And so today we really wanted to bring in um, an expert to share her wisdom and knowledge with us. So um, we just want to welcome Dr. Sarah Ross, who's a licensed psychologist. Welcome. Welcome. Um, We're so happy that you're back. She's a good walking buddy too. Yes. Yes. She keeps us moving. Although these ladies walk extremely fast. (laughs) I must say we walked last night. Yes, we walked last night and I I was sore this morning. Me too. too. I can walk and you guys can run and then you can say you're running. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. That's right. Um, But to give you a little background, uh, Sarah Ross works at Clover Education Counseling. She has a PhD in school psychology from NC State, and she did her internship and postdoc in clinical pediatric psychology. So what does that mean? What did you study? What did you do? Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, actual clinical pediatric psychology is related to helping children who are in adolescence as well, struggling with sort of chronic illness or hospitalization and those sorts of things. So you see a variety of different um, presentations, and you can work like in a children's hospital, or you can Mm -hmm. work in an outpatient clinic doing therapy afterwards and things like that. So that's powerful. What important work. Thank you. You're doing so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I also, this topic is also very close to my heart as well. And I think it's so important to talk about to just reduce stigma Mm -hmm. around, around it. Because I think a lot of people struggle with, with talking about symptoms that they may be having. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one tough thing about depression is that, you know, a main symptom of course is sadness, feeling Mm -hmm. down, feeling Mm -hmm. depressed, but we can probably all agree that at mm-hmm. some point, mm-hmm. at most weeks, right, in our lives that we mm-hmm. feel sad. Like everyone Absolutely. can relate to that. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between just feeling down feeling down or feeling sad in actual diagnosable depression that, hey, maybe we should seek, um, you know, help for? Absolutely. So one of 
the main things about any psychological disorder that we would diagnose is, does it cause clinically significant distress mm -hmm. to a person's life? And by that, we mean, is it affecting your ability to live, right? To go to work, to get to work on time, to take care of your children, to have relationships. Um, is it affecting you in such a way that it's, it's, it's really, you know, affecting your ability to live the life that you want. And if that's the case, if it's clinically significant in that way, then we obviously feel that it warrants treatment and yeah. support. And of course, there's many things we can do before it gets to that level, which I think are really important um, to try to prevent it from yeah. getting to that For point. someone who hasn't struggled with depression, maybe mm -hmm. to the extent that we have seen clinically, mm -hmm. I mean, it can even be showering. Oh, um, you know, yes. you would be yes. like, I would never be that down that I wouldn't shower. And right. then that has actually been some of the signs where I would see matted hair mm -hmm. and, and I would be like, Hey, mm -hmm. and ask some of the depression questions mm -hmm. and that would just open up mm -hmm. the book. So it's just yeah, self-care can be one of the first things yeah. to go and we can mask that for a while, but sometimes, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's, Oftentimes, right, we, take, we we can have enough energy to take care of our kids mm -hmm. and get those things done, but our care for ourselves sometimes is the first yeah. thing to go, for sure, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And not all depression looks the same, no. right? So there yeah. are different types? Mm -hmm. Different types of depression, and there's actually many different types, and I'm, I just wanted to mm -hmm. touch on some today. Probably what mm -hmm. we've heard most about is something called major depressive disorder. And to be, have that diagnosis, you need a depressive episode which means you have five symptoms of depression, and we'll talk about symptoms in a moment, um, for a period of two weeks. And um, I th always think it's interesting to bring that up because I think most people, they're feeling really down and depressed mm -hmm. for two weeks. Even if it's having a clinically significant impact on their life, they probably wouldn't think about seeking treatment, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, I was going to say that's surprising, yeah. two weeks. Just a two-week yeah. period, yeah. And, of mm -hmm. course, it can last much longer. Right. Um, but to get that initial diagnosis for major depressive disorder, it's a two-week time span. Wow. Um, and so I think it's important to think about getting help sooner rather than later, yeah. you know, not letting things go on mm -hmm. for a long time. And major depressive disorder can have a seasonal pattern. So we hear a lot about seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of us struggle, myself included, when it's dark and cold mm -hmm. and we don't see enough light in the day and those kinds of things. And um, there's some interesting therapies that are evidence-based, like light box therapy mm -hmm. that you could use to like expose yeah. yourself to light in the mornings. Um, and I used this for a while, Stacey, um, I was teaching a super early morning class and I would have to leave at like six in the morning before yeah. the sun was up and I would sit and eat my breakfast in front of a light box <laughs> right, just like, preventatively. Oh, okay. but, I like that. Um, <clears throat> so this, that's something you could buy. That's something you could buy maybe order uh, yeah. off Amazon, a light box. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I love that. And obviously other, there's other treatments yeah. as well. <laughs> but, um, Another thing we think about with major depressive disorder are things like postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. We know one in seven women um, can be diagnosed with postpartum. It's probably yeah. higher than that. Um, I think a lot of women, um, and I get it, right, after giving birth and being a mom, you feel this guilt to mm -hmm. say that, you know, that you're not enjoying every moment. You've got this beautiful baby. Like, why am I down? Why am I sad? And I think yeah. there can be a lot of guilt and shame around seeking support. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's something I've had friends who have struggled with that certainly. And just something you want to hide, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to admit right. like, I am not happy or I'm not enjoying this or right. this is not, you know, everyone's right. like, Oh, birth is such a miracle. Right. Um, yeah. and yeah, that would be hard. Yeah. Hard to say. Absolutely. And I think we're getting better about talking about and screening for postpartum depression mm -hmm. and anxiety and other things that can come along with it. But important to, to know to seek help if you are experiencing those symptoms. Um, 
there's other types of depression that are more persistent. So there's one disorder called persistent depressive disorder that are fewer symptoms, but longer period of time. So like a two year span or more where this person lives with depressive mm -hmm. symptoms every day. Mm -hmm. um, and they're more chronic in that way. Um, and then we see other disorders uh, related to different times in our in our life. So there's premenstrual dysphoric mm -hmm. disorder. Um, and I always think this is so interesting to talk to women about, um, sort of like PMS, um, you know, in the five days before your period, you basically have a depressive episode. So mm. you've got that five or more symptoms. So it's really debilitating. Mm. It's affecting relationships. It's affecting your life, your maybe your ability to go to work, to get up, to take care of yourself. Um, and then a couple days in, you the, the symptoms resolve. Yeah. Um, and obviously this affects people who menstruate only. Um, but it's something to think about if you feel like your PMS symptoms are really affecting people around yeah. you and yourself in such a negative way that it's like you're having to recover from that every mm -hmm. month, you know? Um, and I've talked to a lot of friends about this as well. And I think probably more people are affected by this than we realize. Because oh, um, right. we think, and you know, PMS, people make fun of it. Like it's mm. kind of not taken seriously in a way that I think it should be. Yeah, I was just I thinking think. about that. It's almost like the opposite of other depressive disorders where right. there's so much stigma, stigma but right. with this, it's just, right. you know, people are like, oh, you're, you know, about right. to get your period. Right. Someone's grumpy, whatever right. it may be, right? right? Like you said, we make light of it and joke about it, but and I mean, this is seriously affecting people's lives and once a month, every month, like right. that's a big deal. That's and I also deal. think that certain, sometimes men even mm -hmm. make that a weakness mm -hmm. of women. Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason why we, we don't want to like really talk right. about this, like, because it's like, oh, um, it's her. She won't be able to make good decisions at this right. time, or mm -hmm. we don't want yeah. her to do that. And right. I mean, I've I've heard of course, <laughs> men same. say this yeah. and, yeah. and literally, right now. and I wasn't even <laughs> on my period and right. I wanted to beat them up. I right. was like, this came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. have a really clo close friend that just fought medicine for so long because she right. thought I can handle five days of yeah. feeling right. bad. Right. Um, but what she wasn't realizing now hindsight, she's like, man, how many days did I miss with my son? Right. How many days right. did I not do the thing? How many days did th that five days that I decided not to do my school? work right. and mm -hmm. then my grade dropped in class because mm -hmm. I didn't turn in work during that week yeah. it, I mean those five days can be pretty impactful so. absolutely and even like arguments irritability like ha recovering mm. from those things in the aftermath as well or really you know it takes a lot of energy yeah. and, and yeah. time so um yeah something to think about there. yeah that's mm. interesting so that makes me think then how do we go about deciding I know you kind yeah. of talked about is there a dysfunction in your life? Right. Can you do what you need to do every day? But how do we decide if we should go get help? What are the symptoms we should look for? Yes. Um, so depression can look a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I think really interestingly, um, the two symptoms that most people seek out treatment for first are very physical. So mm -hmm. it's fatigue, mm -hmm. feeling like I can't get going, I can't get up, I'm never rested, I those kinds of things, and also sleep issues. So insomnia, um, oftentimes, not being able to sleep at night, pairing that with rumination, which we'll talk about. Um, but also hypersomnia, it can affect people other ways mm -hmm. that they sleep all day and yeah. feel like they can never get rested. So those two physical symptoms often come up first. Mm -hmm. um, and then we see traditional things like sadness, mm -hmm. um, feeling sort of unworthy, guilt, shame, mm. really focusing in, feeling unlovable, um, feeling just really negative thoughts about our self-worth um, yeah. and like believing those as our core mm. belief. Um, those can um, 
certainly be at play. Also seeing people being really tearful. Um, if you people, you know, I feel like I'm an emotional person. I cry yeah. um, often. But if you feel like you really can't um, hold back your tears mm. in moments where you'd really like to and like mm-hmm. at your job or when you're trying to, you know, do something that wouldn't weren't crying, um, that can be a sign. When you ask oh. the person, hey, how are you? And, it, and it's an and you're like, exactly. oh, wow, wow. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although asking, gosh, can be such a relief for so many people, you yeah. know, just yeah. hearing that somebody cares and letting that guard yeah. down. Yeah. Um, you could see weight loss or gain. Um, mm-hmm. Some people tend to have zero appetite. Some people feel that eating is helpful mm-hmm. in coping. Um, difficulty concentrating. So, again, not something we mm-hmm. necessarily think about depression, but it's like, oh, I can't get organized. I can't get through this project that I'm working on like that can be a symptom and again we would need for the depressive episode five of these like many of us struggle with one or two of these Mm -hmm. um you know so it's the combination Mm -hmm. um there and then um uh along with those negative thoughts about self you may see someone start to have recurrent thoughts about death Mm. might at first just be sort of like a theme they're thinking about more and then more about self-harm suicide Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things and so that would of course warrant some immediate support yeah so that's a very obvious sign right but Mm -hmm. many people Mm -hmm. i would assume struggle but not a necessity right in the sense that many people struggle with some type of depressive disorder but never have thoughts of death is that right that's correct that's definitely correct yeah. And then it makes me think also I've known, um, you know, several people throughout my life diagnosed with um, some type of depressive disorder. And it seems like sometimes men um, exhibit different symptoms than women or maybe it's harder to catch. Do you find that in the clinical yes. data? Absolutely. So research shows us that men can have some of the very same symptoms that mm-hmm. women typically present with. But they are also are more likely to have more atypical symptoms like that aggression, the anger, mm. the extreme irritability. Yeah. And it's so hard right to have empathy in those moments where you're feeling like wow this person's really angry we don't necessarily think about that as depression but that persistent anger um irritability can be a sign especially in men Mm -hmm. um in women as well sometimes and then also in men we see a higher likelihood of we call them antisocial behaviors which is like risk taking Mm -hmm. um you know, going out and driving super fast or putting themselves at risk, um, gambling, um, using substances, mm. abusing substances, um, all of those things men are more at risk for than women. Yeah. yeah. So it can look a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to note because sometimes, yeah, you think yeah. you're just right. moody and that's right. annoying. Exactly. But like you said, yeah. but um, yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. Really helpful. And we do, we do see a lot of gender differences. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that women are more likely to um, experience depression than men, mm. about twice as likely. Mm. Yeah. And um, why is that, right? There's a lot of reasons. I think women, we, as we all sit here, we know there are extra stressors on women that mm-hmm. we yes. experience related to childcare and to even being pregnant mm-hmm. or in related to the fact that we get paid less or like right. all of those different stressors that women experience societally. But we also know, sort of like when we were talking about um, with premenstrual mm. dysphoric disorder, we our estrogen levels, our hormone levels, change more frequently than men's. And yeah. so from the time puberty hits, and it's really interesting because levels of depression are about the same before, hum- before puberty. Then when puberty mm. hits and women start having their period, we see depression levels go up. And so we're just having, we have more ups and downs. So mm. our estrogen levels change during pregnancy, postpartum. With breastfeeding, then at um, menopause as well, and 
Yeah, it's interesting yeah. to, see, to yeah. hear about that connection with hormones. Absolutely. And um, men, of course, we have the testosterone, but it doesn't fluctuate as much. So we think it's mm-hmm. more of that fluctuation. And we even see that women who take birth control pills to sort of regulate mm-hmm. their hormones or in menopause take hormone replacement therapy, they're more protected hmm. from depression. Similarly with men also who might see a drop in testosterone at the end of their lives mm-hmm. they and take hormone replacement therapy that can protect as well. Yeah. yeah. But there's obviously risk associated. Of course. It's with not for that everyone. Too, so that you have, you kind of have to weigh exactly. risk yeah. versus benefit with that. I know. I'm someone that I couldn't take birth control pills. I, I didn't like how it made me feel. And yeah. so that I, that's just a choice that I made around that. But um, Almost so it definitely depends on the Almost ended my wedding because I took birth control really? pills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I took a patch and then I remember like going crazy. And yes. I, I looked at myself in the mirror. I screamed. I took the patch off. I ripped it into tiny little pieces, <laughs> threw it in the trash. <laughs> And yeah. that's all she wrote. <laughs> Copper IUD baby. Yep. No, I, I hear you. Yes. I hear you. Yes. No, I, yeah. And so it's so important to listen to your body, right? Yeah. And to yeah. know, to really, and a lot of trial and error around like what is best for me mm-hmm. and to stay in tune. Um, uh, so let me think then probably some people thinking about these physical causes, things like hormones yes. and other things like that and the gender differences we see then. So what are the things then that make um, some people at a higher risk yes. for getting depression than others? Yes. And you know what? Before we jump into that, yeah. I want to mention something about men yeah. too because I don't want to leave them out. Mm-hmm. So a really important thing, women are more likely, yes. Mm-hmm. What we know though is that that gap is probably not as big as research shows because there Mm. also are societal and cultural norms Mm. around men expressing their symptoms. Right. And so, um, it's not as accepted, you know, even though I think we're getting better and we're all raising sons and right. Trying to be better about it. It's not as accepted for men to talk about their depressive symptoms and struggling and it can be seen as a weakness. And, um, we know that that probably is at play, and research has shown that too. That men and women experiencing the same symptoms, men are less likely to report. Yep. Um, and yeah. so, it's important for men to feel that they can, and for mm-hmm. us to to check in and and yeah. you know, think about that as well. So, yeah. and that's yeah. something we can all do, right? Yeah. I mean, we all can just encourage everyone to be more open, and we can all help fight stigma. Absolutely, that's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what peop- puts people more at risk? Yeah, absolutely. So, um. I'm not going to go too far into a lot of these, but some of them, right, are not going to be surprises. If you've experienced trauma early in your life, especially, Mm -hmm. that can be a risk factor. Um, A really big one is just lack of a social support system. Y'all have done Mm -hmm. so many episodes where you talk about the importance of a social network. And, you know, I keep reading about, like, loneliness epidemics in the U.S. and especially related to COVID, right? More And still people are isolated and Mm -hmm. not having that social network is a really big big risk factor for depression. Um, Any sort of discrimination Mm -hmm. related to gender, race, sexual orientation is a risk factor, of course. Um, I should say we also know that it's never any one thing, Mm -hmm. right? Many of us may be born with a biological predisposition. So there's certain genotypes that we can inherit that put me more at risk maybe, right? But it's always the combination between our genes, our predisposition, and our environment. Um, And so it's that predisposition paired with, you know, some sort of really stressful event that may bring it on in my life, for example. Um, We also know, and this is where... I feel like uh, I can 
100% relate, and I feel like knowing y'all, <laughs> maybe you too, um, there are a lot of cognitive factors that really play a role. So how do we think about the world? And one of the big things that especially women are more at risk for is something called rumination. Mm-hmm. And that is the overthinking. So it's a little bit different than anxiety where it's a lot of the like what ifs. What, what yeah. if this happens? What should I do? How can I plan? Rumination is more of the dwelling. It's mm-hmm. dwelling on the bad. It's dwelling on the things that we perceived as really terrible events in our lives and overthinking and overthinking and overthinking. Yeah. And when we do that, mm-hmm. our cortisol levels go up. We can't sleep. We're, you know, we're more at risk depression yeah. do y'all ever struggle with rumination i'm just curious because <laughs> oh, i yes. definitely do yeah <laughs> i can't wait to hash this out later <laughs> yeah. i can't wait to overthink this tonight when i'm laying in bed oh my gosh yes <laughs> i mean it's right right there's all yeah. these t-shirts you see all the time like yeah. give me a minute let me overthink this yeah. whatever it may be right mm-hmm. i mean i feel like it's so common it's become a meme for women yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is Absolutely. and it's 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 terribly hard and in really learning hard. like how to silence that voice whoa, I mean so you know hard. but we have the power over our, our minds mm-hmm. to rewire that mm-hmm. those thoughts and I think that that's where um with rumination um having that community of support mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has been yeah. extremely beneficial mm-hmm. for myself and uh, we were even talking at lunch it's like you know as soon as I have these thoughts now there there are very close people that mm-hmm. I can go to or or yeah. speak with or whether it's my husband or my best friend and it's yeah. like I can process that in a safe way and, she, yeah. and and they're not like oh my goodness you're so terrible for thinking that or why are you putting you know mm-hmm. they're right. they're like let's talk through this yes. and I think that's what mm-hmm. yeah. us women we need more of but when we start to ruminate, we need a ruminating yeah. ender partner. A fact checker. A fact <laughs> yeah, checker. fact checker. That's really yes, good that's because good. Yes. I was thinking sometimes as women, we do the opposite. Yes. Like we tend feed to feed it. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, let's talk about that thing that's really been bothering mm, you yes. again for three hours right. tonight. Like, right. and I think just. Yeah, and build like more said. of the story. Like yeah. they really do hate you. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh right. yeah. I think they're jealous. Yes. And, right. and, you know, like that's not what we mean. That is not what we mean. Yeah. And research that. shows we do not need that. We call it co-rumination. Yeah. There's a word for it. Oh, there oh, is wow. a word. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag co-rumination. Yes. Let's Don't, call yes. each other out. Let's call each other out. Yeah, because we yeah. do. And we've seen it happen, right, in yeah. uh, so many different set scenarios where you just you fall into that pattern. And in a way, you might feel like, oh, it's supportive when really this is making me feel worse, right? Yeah. And so it's checking in with yourself again of like, is this a fact checker that will help me see the world not through my negative lens right mm, now? Or is yeah. this person contributing to it and Ooh, really that's paying good. attention to that? Yeah. I love that self-check-in. Like, yeah. how am I, is this conversation right. with this person making me feel Rebuild. better or yeah. worse? Because we yeah. know, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. can, we can feel that's that, right. but sometimes we don't listen to it, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Um, so that rumination. Whew. And then negative self-talk, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talked about this with anxiety, but it's just that we're always our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. We're always the one that's going to talk to ourselves. I hope not I hope but like hopefully we don't have other people in our lives talking to us in a really negative way but we're often um just really negative toward ourselves and see the world in sort of a black and white Mm. like I always fail everyone hates me right these global kinds of things um that we may feel after a failure um and instead you guys talked about how to rebuild after failure um looking at it in a more positive Mm. helpful problem solving Mm. way um and so we'll talk about how a therapist could help you with that yeah. as well. So yeah. in a little bit, but yeah. So I, you know, I'm glad you brought up therapy because that's definitely something we want to mm-hmm. talk today, but just generally, I know both of you have, you know, work with patients in different contexts mm-hmm. and, and, um, mm-hmm. help treat 
depression. So what are our options? So just, you know, I know a lot of people are nervous to go to a healthcare provider and don't know what to expect. So what are some of the options that you have so that we can kind of talk about those and maybe even advocate for ourselves in different ways? Absolutely. I'll start with medicines yeah. just because you really have to just talk to your provider about yeah. this because mm-hmm. there's so there's so many different reasons to start one over the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have the older ones that have been studied and they're the most common that you might hear of and mm-hmm. people might even allude to or come in and say, I must need that. But then there are newer ones and there's adjunct medicines that we can kind of put together sometimes to, um, to help. So it's really um, bit by bit. There's a mm-hmm. common one right now that an SSNRI, which is like Cymbalta, and it actually helps with pain too. And we find that pain and depression both go together. Mm -hmm. So if if somebody is also, if we even think that like pain is going, is feeding their depression or depression feeding their pain, that's like a good place to start. So it's going to take talking with you and seeing, is this more of an adjustment depression? Mm -hmm. Is this, is this Mm -hmm. persistent? Is Mm -hmm. this just a major episode? Is this bipolar depression where, oh wow, you have had that, um, Mm -hmm. those, those episodes of mania and feeling mm-hmm. super naturally mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and not needing sleep. And that's a whole different class of medicine. So you yeah. definitely need to um, speak with a healthcare provider to get the, the plan for you. But also I'm a really excited about transcranial magnetic, um, Oh goodness. GMS stimulation, stimulation. stimulation. Yes, I yes. lost it. Um, <laughs> but um, because that's like a, people come in and they don't want to start medicine and right. they're like, what can I do? And so there's more and more studies coming out about this stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a few weeks of therapy. You have to go often. You have mm-hmm. to go like multiple times a week. Um, but it actually stimulates the part of the brain and mm-hmm. grows neurons. And it is, it is showing to be really effective right now. Just for depression has right. not been, um, um, clinically indicated for anxiety or any other um, disorder right now except major depression. But right. I'm excited to see where it's going and Absolutely. that people are using it sooner right. than later. Yeah. Not a last resort, but like, I don't want to use medicine. Let me see if I can just help this area mm-hmm. of my brain right now. Um, yeah. So there there are cool things in the works. That's why it's always important to keep that door open. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up too. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think something that's important too with you talking both about medication and TMS is this idea that clearly when we think about depression, it's linked to changes in our body. And when we're trying to break stigma surrounding things like depression, Mm -hmm. you know, we tend to be like, well, just snap out of it. (laughs) Like Mm. you're going to be fine. But thinking about it like, you know, uh, like an actual medical diagnosis like cancer, like diabetes, mm-hmm. like you, you know, can't on your own, like tell your neurotransmitters to release, right? right? Um, and increase your level. So I think just thinking about it as there's something biological yeah. going on here mm-hmm. and these are effective treatments, whether it's medicine or TMS, there's mm-hmm. no shame and getting help with changing these things about your body. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But my most favorite thing that I actually encourage, um, and sometimes I get pushback, sometimes I don't, is counseling and therapy Mm -hmm. and talking with someone. Because I think that truly what the work that you guys do on the front lines with talking weekly and regularly Mm -hmm. is so impactful. Mm -hmm. What's some of the the things that you Mm -hmm. implement when you're talking with somebody to fight depression? Yes. So, okay. 
y'all have talked about this so many times. One of the very first things I always talk about before I even get into types of therapy is exercise. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a small, incorporating it, a walk around the block after dinner, like a very small um, start and trying to build up with that because we see that exercise, as you've talked about before, can be as effective in treating mild to moderate depression. And so- Building those habits, sometimes um, it's hard to do it first, and sometimes having a medication first can help mm-hmm. you build those habits. But always trying to get ourselves moving, I think, is first and foremost. In fact, there's some therapists that do walking therapy, which I think is oh, awesome. Wow. Just yeah. walk and talk, and like we did last night, right? Yes. So nice. Um, but as far as specific therapies that are evidence-based to treat depression, um, one of the ones that we talk about is called behavioral activation therapy. And it really could just be called activity scheduling, Um, (laughs) but they have to have this name for it. And the idea is that when we're depressed, we prevent ourselves from having exposure to things Mm. that give us pleasure, right? That things, things that used to give Mm. us pleasure. And I just realized I, I left out one symptom of depression that I meant to say, and that was finding reduced pleasure in things that you used to enjoy, right? Feeling like you're not enjoying anything anymore. And so when we start to feel that way, we quit doing those things, yeah. right? We don't see our friends. We don't go for that walk. We don't pick up our guitar. We just don't feel like it, and we're not getting pleasure from it. And so the idea with behavioral activation therapy is sort of, even though it sounds kind of harsh, it's kind of this fake it till you make it mm. idea. You schedule in things that feel like you can do them. You don't want to overwhelm yourself. Um, into your, and I used to do this with people on like paper calendars, but now of course we just schedule it in our phones um, that feel like they would bring you some joy, right? And you're mm-hmm. not going to want to do it at first, really. Um, most people aren't, if you're experiencing a depressive episode, um, you aren't going to want to do that walk after mm-hmm. dinner. Yeah. But what I would challenge people to do is say, okay, it's 630. I said I was going to walk for 10 minutes. Let me check in with myself before I go, and let me check in with myself afterwards. Um, And in a therapy setting, they would actually have you probably through an app or on paper rate Mm. your mood before and after. And what we find is that even if you're at a two when you start and you're at a three when you end, Mm. you've at least, you know, given Mm -hmm. yourself one notch up on that scale. Um, And so the idea is to schedule this, schedule these things more and more. And I used to have this list, and I'll try to find it if y'all want to share it with your listeners, Mm -hmm. um, that I would have people go through in circle. Um, Because it's also about, like, increasing dopamine in our brains, right, Mm. doing something a little different. So it might be, you know what, today after dinner or, you know, at 9 o'clock tonight, I'm going to step outside and look at the moon for five minutes, Mm. right? Um, Just something that feels like I can do but something that's different from what I've been doing um, to bring that joy. Now, if we can make it a social piece Mm. as well, if we feel well enough to do that, then that's even better because we know having those positive social interactions are so helpful. So maybe the person doesn't feel like they can make a phone call right now, but they're going to send a text Mm. this afternoon at 2 to a friend and like really consistently yeah. having it scheduled to say hello. Um, and so it's choosing the things that you want to do. Mm. I mean, you have control over those things and really scheduling them in very, you know, small at first mm. and then building up. And what we see over time is that more and more people, I'm not more and more people, you're, you're feeling more and more joy at, at small incremental yeah. levels. And then that over time is fighting depression that's that you're feeling. That's, um, that's great. That reminds me of something you actually sent me today, Jade, which was from John Acuff. And he Mm -hmm. was not using this in a clinical sense, but an applied sense that we can all use. And he essentially told people um, when you are supposed to do something, 
um, look at your schedule, not your emotions, mm-hmm. essentially, right? And so mm-hmm. that's that's really what it that is, is what right? It is. You right. have to schedule it in so right. that you stick to it even when you don't feel like right. it. Exactly. Because that's so, I mean, that's such a struggle when you're in a depressed state, right? And that's, yeah, that's something that is a sign for friends. Like yep. when you see a friend that just keeps canceling yep. and you're like, oh. And, yeah. and a lot of times we can take that if we ruminate on it. We yeah. can be like, they hate me. Right. They don't yeah. want to be with mm-hmm. me. They're all, and then we could turn on them and then build this whole thing. Or we mm-hmm. could reach out to them because that yeah. could exactly. be the first sign that like, they really do want to be with you, but they're right. just not. It's they're, too hard. Yeah. 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 To get there. Yeah. And it's funny. We were talking about this before, how you were saying like, you know, we often celebrate when people cancel plans. Yeah, That's like, a whole oh, thing too. Right. Like, yes. and like, and please cancel and let me stay home. Yes. But maybe there's not so good. something to be said too for like knowing that you've got too much on your plate, right? Yeah. And knowing yeah. when to take things off. But I think I find personally that when I go and do the thing, even if not, I'm not feeling like doing the thing, I'm always glad I did the thing. Yes, you know what I mean? Gosh, like I that's that so yes. much. Yeah, and that's so, so good. Um, it's reminding, so it's our reminding our current selves that we'll feel differently in the future. And it is really hard. And again, I don't mean to make light at all if you were struggling with depression right now about yeah. how hard it is. It is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you would start with small things at mm-hmm. first. Um, but it's it's challenging yourself, right? And thinking about like that self-care is often sometimes not enjoyable, right? Like sometimes yeah. initially you're like, I don't want to do that thing. I don't yeah. want to do this. But I know that if I do, I'm going to be up a couple notches yeah. afterwards. And so it's kind of yeah. it's kind of reminding ourselves of that. Um, another thing, we've talked about cognitive behavioral therapy before mm-hmm. in here related to anxiety. Mm-hmm. And y'all have talked about it on other topics as well. But that's really where you're going to do that fact checking, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to May probably at first identify a friend that you care about and love um, that you can call and be like, I'm having these thoughts, like help me mm. fact check this. But really what you want is to be able to do that for yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and so a therapist would help you what we call restructure thoughts around, um, does everyone hate me? Everyone hates me. Like how, how, you know, and being able to catch yourself one, mm. restructure, okay, what is the evidence? Like really being a detective in your life of like, what is the evidence for this very extreme thought that you're having, right? And what is the evidence against this very extreme thought? And taking you through that process in, you know, in coming in every week to therapy with your things. Like Mm. these are the things that I'm really ruminating on this week. I need to process this and talk through it. Um, They can also help with rumination. Um, And one of the biggest things with that um, is, and I challenge you guys, if you're listening today and you know that you struggle with rumination is just catching yourself first, right? Mm. That mindfulness that you talked about mm. last week of like, yeah. instead of going into it, like, Ooh, I'm, I'm about to start mm-hmm. down the spiral. And I mean, honestly, if you've, if you've thought through something enough times, you really can just say, I'm distracting myself. Like that's a good technique. Mm. I'm going to go watch a show or listen mm-hmm. to a podcast or call someone. Um, if you feel like it warrants some thought, a lot of people find helpful setting aside a time to say, okay, I'm going to think, I'll let myself think about this, but I'm going to set a timer. Something's going to happen in five, 10 minutes from now, I'm going to stop. A trick sort of that I find useful and that also is taught is um, sort of a problem solving method. And it's absolutely right in line with like the 12 step programs that we hear of you're ruminating on something and you think, okay, is this something I can change or not? Mm. Right. If it's something I can change, you know, I talked to my mom and she made me feel bad. Okay. I can take a small step toward Mm. 
fixing that or working mm-hmm. on that problem. If it's something I can't change, you know, a lady yelled at me at the store and I don't know who she is, but it made me feel bad the rest of the day, mm-hmm. then you engage in coping, right? You engage in that self-care, that self-soothing behavior. So if you can do something about it, think of a small thing to do, try to write that down and work toward it. If you can't do anything about it, then soothe yourself, right? Yeah. Cope. You do the things you know that help you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, that, a lot of information, but that I feel like is a nice helpful technique for myself at least to kind of yeah when I get go down that road of like teasing apart okay what can I do right now yeah Yeah, and I I love that though all of these tips that are just there are things that we can all do right I mean it helps to know what to expect maybe when we're going to see a therapist and the types of techniques they're going to use but you know if we're in a place where maybe we're not we wouldn't be diagnosed with depression Mm -hmm. but we're feeling down Mm -hmm. it's nice to know that these are things we can just practice because they're healthy and good exactly and it's important to note that you know sometimes when people sign up for something or do the counseling it doesn't mean it's forever it doesn't mean for the rest of your life you have to go these are things that if you learn them implement them and start using Mm -hmm. them daily Mm -hmm. you may not I mean you may need a year of counseling you may need more and I've even had patients that like they thought they fully dealt with an issue Mm -hmm. or an abuse Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. something trauma that happened to them Mm -hmm. and then something triggered a awakening of it Mm -hmm. 10 years later and they're like I I handled that I handled that but you know they may need to revisit that and relearn those strategies so I just encourage people it doesn't mean you're signing up for ever counseling no No. um but just some a few months a few weeks and learn these things exactly you can tell if you're a fast learner or not exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) see how fast you can go compare your counseling (laughs) it only took me six months (laughs) beat that (laughs) um yeah that's so that's such a good point and I will say um in practice I would tell people let's try let's plan on eight sessions and see where we are like that's eight weeks right that's not let's start there like I don't want you to feel overwhelmed Mm. I don't want you you know let's let's build some strategies and and we've talked about this too like your therapist should should help you feel empowered Mm. right and so I think that's really important too when choosing a therapist is am I feeling empowered over over my life versus am I just sitting and talking for an hour and the person's listening, right? I I believe a good therapist and someone who is using evidence-based strategies should really be helping you use these techniques in your life and feeling empowered around them for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And in our show notes, we're going to post three pages of resources um, that we, uh, that my clinic has developed and, and for people, if you need help, if Mm -hmm. you need an emergency clinic, whatnot, so, or counseling services. So, because it can be hard to find someone there can be wait list and and, and, yeah. And I also tell people, I'm like, if you have one or two sessions and you're just not going anywhere and you don't feel like it's beneficial, then it's okay to stop that. But it's not okay to dismiss counseling because there can be somebody out there for you. Yes, absolutely. Listen to yourself, right? Like that's yeah. that's the thing. Listen you, to you a heart. Know. Listen to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to sing with me, Sarah? I don't. No. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> We're trying, but me maybe neither. one day. <laughs> maybe one I'm gonna day. I'm going to get a guest on here who's going to jam with me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, we're so thankful that you listen, and we hope that um, the things that we said today were helpful. So love yourself. Trust yourself. Yes. Um, why? Because, because we, we love, love you. you.